Hey, if you want to learn how to level up and be successful through masterminds, then you really need to listen to my good friend Brandon Strasser with the Mastermind Effect. You love to learn, grow, and improve yourself, but you're still not where you want to be? The right mastermind can be the ultimate secret weapon when it comes to personal development, but trying to find the one that's built for you isn't always easy. Welcome to the Mastermind Effect, the one and only show that focuses on helping you cut through the noise, invest in yourself, and move past your natural limits. This is everything you need to know about masterminds, brought to you by your host, Brandon Straza. Hey, everybody. This week, we have Steve Sims. Forbes magazine dubs him the real Wizard of Oz. We go into how his failures have given him his greatest education, and through failure, he's able to refine what he's doing. We talk about how people get in the way of their own success and how to overcome that through mentorship. And then lastly, if you want to learn how you could spend a few days in the Vatican, Buckingham Palace, or the Pentagon. And it's not so much about the location, but the people that he puts you there with through his speakeasy. You'll want to listen to this one. Check it out. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the show. I believe the only way to unlock your potential is to tap into the experience of others. And today, to help us teach that, is the host of the podcast, The Art of Making Things Happen with Steve Sims, Steve Sims's Health. Steve, I appreciate it. Welcome to the show. It's a pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me, pal. Absolutely. Hey, before we dive into it, one of the things that I've learned is to always ask, where are the best places that people can find you, digest your content, and then on top of that, mingle with the people that you put into these rooms? Where's the best place to find you? Wow. I'm very easy to find. I'm on Steve D. Sims basically everywhere. Instagram, you know, stevedsims.com is the website. So there's only one M in Sims. But if you really want to kind of like take a step in and actually communicate, then there's a, a free portal on Facebook called An Entrepreneur's Advantage with Steve Sims. So, you know, you can find me easy enough by just Googling that, Googling me, searching around. I'm easy to find. And then I think there's also, you can text Ugly Works to 345, 345. Does that still work? No, they're actually changing the short code. So if you texted the word SIMS, S-I-M-S, to 33777, that'd do it. Excellent. All right. Well, you put together some unbelievable rooms of where people are able to learn, mingle, and work with each other. The availability to learn and have access to different people has really changed over the last five to 10 years. When we were younger, we learned from textbooks and teachers that were around us. And then eventually that became your friends that you worked with, but it could only really give us a sliver of what was possible in the world of entrepreneurship. How has your learning changed from your early years to where you are today? Well, it's changed the same for everyone, but I'm a huge failure. And that's what's given me all my education. Everything I've ever done that's done well, I've gone, oh, great. But everything that's got, that I've done and has gone really bad has given me my greatest growth. I've lost a fortune because I lost it because I didn't pay attention to the contract. So now I'm very good at checking contracts, IP rights, digital presence, you know, usage of name, usage of content. I've become very good at all of that because I failed already at it. You know, I know how to run a thousand person event in Hollywood because I've screwed up running a hundred person events in Hong Kong. So you learn from your mistakes. We learned this education prior, as you quite rightly said, in books. But the downside about a, a book, a video, is you couldn't converse with it. You know, you'd read a book and you'd be like, well, that's good. But does that work? To, who are you asking that question to? So it was a dead end. It was a one-way conversation. Now, We've got so many social platforms, so many social groups that you can join, so many communities that you can converse with people now. And more and more people that actually, and this is a big caveat here, 
people that actually have something to offer, have some kind of credibility, have some kind of standing, are there to go toe-to-toe with you and have a conversation with you. The insta-gurus of this world where you just, you know, add water and lean up against a card that you don't own, they've got bugger all other than a credit card machine ready to take your card for your $99 program on how to become a billionaire overnight. So the world is changing in how you can get into a conversation and how you can receive that information and from where it can can come from. And there are a lot of those boogers out there that are sporting that $99 program platform, why they're leaning up against the Ferrari. How do people go through the weeds to find the resources and know who the real people are that are actually going to bring the value, bring the people, bring the tribe versus the ones that you're looking at the flash, the cash, and all of a sudden you just burn through your $99. So you got to ask questions. I'm a 53-year-old, five-year-old. My wife has often said that every year, you know, I get older, but I've never changed from a five-year-old. I ask questions. Someone is saying to me, hey, I want you on my podcast. First question I'm asking is why? Why do you want me on your podcast? You know, I try to be very cynical about absolutely everything. And it's done really, really well for me. And me and you, we've met in Thailand and we've met in Silicon Valley. We've hung around a few times together. Prison. Um, Yeah, prison. uh, Travis Chapel. I've always been the same character. I've always been very inquisitive to a new experience, and nine times out of 10, an experience that can make me uncomfortable. And so whenever I get involved in anything, whether it be a training program, uh, something I see online, I'll actually go there and go, oh, what gives you the credibility, the right, the kudos, the degree to be able to teach that me? See, I don't care about whether a course is $99 or $999. Now, before people go, well, I can't afford that, let me ask you a question. If I said to you, come and have dinner with me tomorrow, friend, have dinner with me. The first thing you're doing is going, well, 10 grand dinner, I can't really afford 10 grand, or I don't really want to spend it. You're focusing on the money. But let me say to you, okay, come and have dinner with me tomorrow night, because at the table is going to be Oprah Winfrey on how she launched her business, Warren Buffett, the top traders in America. In fact, I guarantee you, When you walk out, you'll probably make 20 grand before you go to bed. Now what you're doing is you're looking on a value consumption. You're looking at the value metrics of that offer. So I don't care if I'm offering you $99 or $990. If the amplification of whatever you spend gives you tenfold back, you're in it. You have got to confront anyone offering you anything like this and going, okay, what is my gain? Stop looking at the shiny car. What do I get out of this? And I ask them the question, hey, if I spend $99, what am I getting back? And if the copy is vague, you know, ask the question, okay, you've told me how sexy you look against the car, but what's in it for me? And you've got it, you've got to push the question. I guarantee you nine times out of 10, they won't bother answering your question. So what you're saying is you should at least ask the why or what you're going to get at least three times to find out what's really going to happen. Absolutely. Absolutely. People will ask me a question. You know, I'll answer it. They say there's no such thing as a dumb question. But here's the point. If someone's asking a question, they want to be involved. You know, even if someone, I've got got eight coaching clients and I won't name which ones they are. Three of those eight came to me because of negativity, negative comments on a posting that was that was out there. Two of the postings I actually put out there and two and they put some negative comments. And one of them, someone else did a posting on me. And this other, this lady actually wrote something not negative, but she was in a bad place and she was very cynical 
and sarcastic about it. And I jumped into the conversation because everyone goes, oh, haters are haters. People, when they post comments, people, when they ask you questions, are baiting you to help them make a decision. Now, that may be a decision that you are a scammer or that you don't have anything to offer them or that you do and you're just inviting them over to your side of the fence. So I love it when someone goes on and goes, oh, why do you think this works? I will go on. I go, well, I don't think it works. I kind of know it works because a 15-year-old bricklayer from London did it. That's put you out of excuses already. Are you looking for a turnkey situation? Because, hey, that's not me. If you come in, come on board with me, you're going to get tossed around, you're going to be made uncomfortable, and you're going to be put to work, and you're going to come out of it with scars. If you don't want to fight, don't get in the ring. So I love people that actually make remarks, but you should always, anyone out there looking at doing courses, always be prepared to answer those that give you cheers and, and happy claps, as well as those that are negative and sarcastic. Yeah, and I see people with credibility that when they are attacked, depending on what the platform is, it's almost like the child comes out in them. And it's a nuh-uh, he said, she said thing. And, yeah. and the way that you just described it was, all right, I'm a bricklayer from London. And what are you going to do? It's words over a computer. And the other thing that you really talked about there was comfort and being in that comfort zone, or as I like to call it, comfort kills. And I think that's the death of the entrepreneurs because we become comfortable. When we were starting this interview, though I've known you for just over a year now, I had butterflies. I was nervous because the minute that I don't have that, no matter who I'm going to talk to, is the minute that I probably don't give a shit about the conversation we're about to have. And I haven't looked into what we really want to talk about. So what I see is you're talking about being raw and being yourself at the end of the day. So we've got more ways to take in information today than there ever was before. And to me, it is confusing. I mean, I know when I started my journey a couple of years ago into retuning some things, I was like, where the hell do I go? Some people look for mentors. Others look for accountability buddies or masterminds. Other people take online courses. Who are you currently learning from and how did you end up finding them? I'm constantly trying to find someone that will challenge and push me. And you may have that at the pub. If you're in a room and you come out with this concept and you go, hey, I'm going to launch this company that specializes in doing X. You're going to look for the people in your group and you'll get some of those people that go, you go for it, Brendan. You go get it, mate. Those are the cheerleaders. Everyone there's a cheerleader. You know, it's, it's nice. It, comfort, it encourages you. It's lovely. Then you'll get those people that go, why are you doing that, Brendan? Now, they're not negative. This is key. They're not the negative ones. They're the challenges that are looking for you to refine your focus. And I have people that go, why are you doing that, Steve? What's the goal? What's the outcome? They're challenging me, okay? And it may sound as though they're being a bit combative, but no, they're refining my tools. You know, you need someone to ask, have you thought about this? Who's your avatar? Who's your client? Who's going to purchase it? How are you going to get it out there? Those people that ask you the questions, those are the challenges. And then you get the crabs. Those are the people that sit back in the chair, in the pub, and they go, oh, Brandon, you can never do it. You're going to fuck up. You're going to lose your ass. You're going to waste all of that money, and you get the naysayer. Now, that person is the one that is scared you're going to prove them wrong. Now, here's the daft thing. You need all three of those in your world. The naysayer is the one that's putting fuel on your fire. They're not putting water on it, and they're not smothering it. They're putting it fuel on it because they're the ones that are going, you couldn't do that. And there's nothing that gets me riled up more than the person that says, you can't do that. That, in the back of my head, I'm like, all right, baby, that's what we are doing, okay? Do not fight them, but absorb them. And the best way you can make them look stupid 
is to make them look stupid by achieving it. The ones that challenge you, let them challenge you. And those are the ones I look for. We've got enough people out there going, you could never do that. You know, I'm going to do a podcast. Oh, that's stupid. No one's ever going to listen to you. Do a podcast because of that. Okay. And then the challenger, well, what mic are you going to use? What platform are you going to, how are you going to get your podcast out? You need those as well. And for me, I go out trying to find those challenges because as entrepreneurs, when we start getting pretty good, you know, and maybe a little bit comfortable and a bit confident, we need those people that get us uncomfortable. And so I'm thrilled. I have people like Jay Abraham and Roland Frazier who are constantly on speed dial with me. And I'm like, Roland, how do I do that? And he's like, just do it. And then hangs up. Or, you know, he's like, well, why are you doing it? You know, and he will challenge me. And Jay Abraham's just the same. So I'm very fortunate in the mentors and coaches that I actually have around me. And I have to, because there's nothing worse than buying your own shit. You need someone to just kind of like stir you up and go, well, what's the point of that? Why are you doing that? Because as entrepreneurs, we also have shiny object syndrome. You know, we all go, that's a great idea. Again, the cheerleader, they're the ones that are going to support you regardless. The crab, they're the ones that are going to put the fuel on the fire. But you need those refiners in the middle. Those are the ones you need to go, whoa, 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 hang on a minute. What's the point? Why are you doing that? You know, and those are the ones you really need in your life. So, But I can also get it from my uh, Facebook community. I can get it from my email list. I can get it from people that I'm coaching. You need to just be prepared and to be accepting. The trouble is more people get so successful that they end up getting into an ivory tower where they're not open to these comments. You know, the people that I've been able to work with, the Bransons, the Elon Musks, the Peter Diamandis, the, the Joe Polishes of this world, surround themselves with an open door policy to go, hey, challenge me. I'm going to do this. Challenge me why you think it won't work. Ask you questions. Let's refine it. And it's those people that won't actually listen that, that are just going to be dead in the sand. So I, I listen. Even if the answer's crap, I listen to everyone. I've got to imagine the, the eight people that you're currently coaching right now, and then the other people that are just in the world that you have created get a little bit of those three types of people. But what they are probably getting from you, at least from what I've seen, is you challenge people. I know personally, I've come to you and talked to you about something and you were very challenging in what you came back. You weren't a naysayer, you weren't a cheerleader, but you wanted to make me think a different way because sometimes we drink our own Kool-Aid and we can't get out of our own way. And that kind of leads me into the next part about being stuck. A lot of people, they're stuck and they don't know how to execute what's in their head. I found that there's a lot of ways to get unstuck, but sometimes I have no idea when I'm in my own way and how to get out of it. How have masterminds or mentorship helped you when you're looking to execute a new idea? There's two things. Nine times out of 10, the biggest problem in your business, your thoughts, your ideas, your concept is you. That's usually the first problem there. It's mindset. And I had my mindset changed years ago. You see, we're all frightened of stuff. And you said earlier about the butterflies. Mm -hmm. Okay, I live to find the location of those butterflies. I actually, I go for it. You know, we mentioned jokingly about prison. We go to Kern, a level four maximum security prison in America. You don't go there because you've got a parking ticket. You know, it's one of the toughest places in the planet. And we go there on a regular basis. And I'm in there three to four times a year. I race motorcycles. Before that flag goes down, I'm crap in my pants. I've also done semi-pro boxing and MMA. I'm stood in the ring opposite with a guy that's looking at me like he wants to kill me. I'm terrified. But it's at that moment that you have the choice to run away or run to. 
Now, when you run two, that creates momentum. Now, the thing about an elastic band, as we all know, it never goes back to its original space. If you can challenge your comfort zone and get yourself in a bigger, scarier sandpit, that becomes the normal. And then you challenge it again. That becomes the normal. The thing about me I learned very early is that fear can either dictate or drive. And I look at it because you're going to react. Something scary comes at you, you're going to react. Bottom line of it, you're going to run away or you're going to run too. I found that if I allow fear to drive me, and even today, I don't want to allow COVID to dictate how I spend my day. I don't want to allow the negativity of the masses to dictate what I'm creating, what I'm dreaming, what I'm focusing on. I want it to be the fuel that fires me to go forward. I do not want to waste a day. And I'm 53 years old. You're a lot younger than me. You got years going away. You got yesterdays you can't get back. Don't waste them. Don't waste them with someone that doesn't help and grow you. Don't waste them that someone doesn't inspire you. So every week of my life, I want to be further ahead this week than I was last week. I literally, it's as short term as that. Next week, I want to have read something. I want to have grown. I want to have challenged. I want to be inspired. I want to have failed at something so that I can grow from it and learn. My idea of of hell is for next month to be in the exact same position that I was this month. That would terrify me. Wow. That's, I mean, that's truly deep looking in and measuring yourself from one week to the other and one year to the other and where you were and what you want to accomplish going forward. So masterminds, self-learning have been around since the apostles. Eventually, Benjamin Franklin, he created the, I think it was called the Junto Club, which was the Leather Apron Club. And (laughs) eventually Napoleon Hill writes a book on it. So it's not a new concept, but what I'm seeing is there's this huge boom of self-education and growth over the last few years. Where do you really see it going? I see it going backwards, funny enough, and that's good. You see, a few things have happened. In the 70s, 80s, and 90s, we communicated, dreamed, failed, and constructed. And then we got into the digital world where we talked a good talk and we showed a good picture. We didn't actually have a substance. If you met someone in 1980 or 1990 that said, oh, I'm looking at doing this, your natural response would have been, well, can I see it? Can you show me it working? Can you demonstrate? You think about the people in the 80s and 90s that used to throw these coupons in your letterbox and go, let me come to your house and I will clean your carpet in one room for free. And they would come along, they would clean the carpet and you'd go, holy shit, the rest of my house looks terrible now. Please clean the rest of the house. Okay, you would be shown something. There would be a demonstration, the old cutting of knives going through Coke cans, all of that kind of stuff. Now it's simulated or, you know, just uh, alert to the what it can do. And we've got too much, again, back to the Insta gurus leaning up against the car. We want proof of concept. We want interaction. We want engagement. Okay. And the masterminds, which are different to the digital world, the masterminds are where we actually go and get to see people. We get to talk to people. We get to engage with people. You see, the virtual summits are now going to be a new normal in our toolkit, but they're never going to replace a mastermind. The point that you go along somewhere, which straight away gets you out of your comfort zone, it gets you out of your home. You've got on a plane, you've flown somewhere, or you've driven somewhere, you've stayed away from your family. These are all engagements. You've engaged in so many things that you don't normally do to get you away from your work. You're now in a very receptive position. So when you're sat in a room, unlike a virtual summit, when you're sat in a room 
whether it be like, you know, the few that I've known you out, whether it be Travis's in Thailand or Vegas or mine at the speakeasy or whatever, you sat in a room with other people that are also cheering and they want to learn and they want to receive. You can't replace those moments. So I think masterminds, people are stood there going, well, you know, it'll never be the same. Hey, if you're thinking that, good on you. Because maybe you weren't the kind of person that should have been going to them in any case. But for the people that are going to take that time out of our week to actually go to this event, those are the new people that you want in your world. And you can answer this. I've met you in three or four events. How important are those people that you've met in those events to your society today? Unequivocally, undeniably, I wouldn't be where I'm at right now. It's absolutely important. Yeah. Like, and the speakers, the speakers are great. You know, I'm, I'm a very well-paid speaker. The speakers are great. Let's not hide it. You may come along because they can give you something based on their experience. But I believe any event, 30% is who's on stage and 70% is who's sat next to you. It absolutely is. I can say, you know, me personally, the bus rides that I've gone to wherever that might be or the plane flight to whatever location that is. The relationships that you make there could be a business partner, could be a mentor, could be someone that can just help you along your journey. And I know that, again, I wouldn't be sitting where I'm at without starting that just about two years ago. So that leads right into what I wanted to talk to you about. Typically, when someone invests in their future, they have better than a vague idea of what they're going to get into. We're able to have some form of an expectation of what type of people are going to be in the room and what the outcome really should be. What should people really expect when they're going to enter Steve Sims's reality? <laughs> None of that. <laughs> yeah, you know, that's it's very funny, but again, my running theme is to be uncomfortable. I want to be uncomfortable so that I can be in a position to grow. My greatest growth comes from my greatest mistakes. So we started an event a while back and I thought to myself, I don't want you coming just to hear Greg Reed or to hear Roland Frazier or to hear Jay Abraham, Kane Craig and Alice Little, Tim Lark and Neil Moore, Ari Mizell, all of these people that have, have actually uh, offered workshops at my events. I didn't want you coming because you were going to get into uh, to a room that I was publicizing on a flyer. So I thought to myself, I'm going to challenge you, first of all, at your core. So I'm going to say, look, I'm going to make you smarter by the time you leave, but this is the city that it's in. These are the two days that it's going on. Pay me. And that was it. And I had people going, who's going to pay two grand to go to a speakeasy when they know nothing? And I said, well, it's really those that get in the fight that know everything. You know, and I wanted the right kind of people to come along. So we honestly did it, first of all, as almost like a, an experiment, a psychological experiment. Now, we've done, God, I think like 10 now, and our next one's in Nashville. And as you know from coming along, we don't tell you where it's going to be. We don't tell you who you're going to meet. But we get to know you before you turn up. And we stalk you to find out what you're involved in. And then what I do, knowing the people that are coming to the event, then I go and get the people that can add the biggest value. Like we took on another couple of people that are coming to Nashville as recently as last week. And we stalked them and we were chatting with them on what you're trying to do. What's your bottleneck? What's your issue? And literally from those two people joining, I reached out to someone last week and I said, look, I've got a few people that are coming. 
And we're starting to get this kind of repetitive issue going on in today. You would be paramount in being there to help go walk them through it and help workshop it, interact with them and go, hey, I'm here. So it's one of those moments that all of our people that are there, I've got people that are turning up that are going to workshop them through their problems. But it puts you in an uncomfortable position. And Courtney, you know, Courtney, Courtney actually turned around to me and he said, look, your events in Vegas, this is a past event we had. He said, you, your speakeasies in Vegas? And I know it's two grand. I don't know where it's going to be, but I know the dates that are going on. I don't know who's going to be there, but I've just got a flyer for an event going on the exact same weekend for $500 a person. I know what time it is. I know where it's going to be held. I know who's turning up. I know the lunchtime. I know the evening after. I know everything about this one. Yours is four times more expensive, and I know nothing. And he bought mine. (laughs) because it made him uncomfortable. And when you're in that position of being uncomfortable, you're more receptive. You can grow more. You can gain more. And as long as you've got the credibility, and that's the key, as long as you've got the credibility that goes, hey, you show up, I'll show up. And I'll make sure I don't let you down. As long as you've got that credibility, and that's what I've been getting. I've been getting people coming to these events. As I said, I think my ninth or tenth one is next in Nashville. People have no idea. They don't even know what hotel it's at. They don't know what the location's at. They know nothing. And we're already a half oversubscribed. Oh, sorry, over half subscribed. So it's an interesting concept, but that comes down to the credibility metrics. You've got to make sure that you can step up. You've got to make sure that you've got that credibility. You've got that reputation that can stand forward, go toe-to-toe and go, hey, I can get you uncomfortable and I can make it worthwhile. So because of that credibility cachet that you've built up, you're able then to play off what it sounds like someone's emotion. So when they smell a whiskey, you know, they maybe think of Steve Sims. When they see a flower, when they, you know, the wind blows, whatever it is, whatever that experience is, they're like, you've played off of someone's emotions, not in what they know, but what maybe can get them to that next level, which is, it's brilliant. So you put people in all sorts of rooms all over the country, all over the world. And I kind of feel that lately what I've seen over the last few years is people have a way of surprising us due to their willingness to learn and their drive. Um, the rooms that you put together, you've typically hand-selected, you've curated them, and maybe every once in a while someone slips through that the cracks right there. Has anyone been to an event you know, a speakeasy, a distillery, whatever that you've put together that has surprised you with what they were able to accomplish. And what was the outcome of that because they were in that room? Oh God. Yes. So many of them, you being one of them. You see, the first thing that happens is they come along and they get to interact with big names. You know, Ken Cragen was the biggest producer in music and probably one of the most connected men in music. I'll tell you a story about Ken. I needed to get in front of um, Stevie Wonder And um, I had no luck whatsoever. Ken texted his assistant while I was having coffee with him. And they phoned me straight away going, what do you need? Ken was the man that like Michael Jackson sent like 10 tickets to his first show before sadly he died. You know, Ken Craig and and Jay Abraham and Roland Frazier and Frank Kern. These people are interacting with my people. And two things are happening. The people sitting in the room, a room that they never knew about, are looking at me going, well, hang on a minute. He's always in a black T-shirt. Yet he's got these people around him. You know, he can make a phone call to the Vatican. He can get someone down to the Titanic. I'm giving them permission to go big. And then the people that are stood in that room are actually helping them and willing them. And then everyone else around them is going, well, well, hang on a minute. My game's too small. You know, I need to challenge you up. And you said it earlier. And I know the conversation. I remember the conversation that me and you had. When you asked me about something, I could have been an arsehole and an absolute tit and gone, 
Brendan, that sounds fantastic. Good luck, Brendan. That's lovely. Good luck with your fella. You go get him. And I would not have helped you, but I challenged you to refine what your purpose was. Lo and behold, we're on a podcast together. So the bottom line of it is I've seen so many of the people that have been with me that have come along to the event, walked out the event, and they're walking taller. They're dreaming bigger. And they've been given permission to do, fail, and do again. Because people are scared of the failures. We're frightened of failure. We look at failure as a bad thing. No, no, no. Failure is just a refinement. You know, and that's all it is. And I've seen so many people go out, do podcasts, land a contract, approach bigger people to do business with, bigger affiliations. I've had people literally coming back going, I can't believe that I am now working with this person because you said, hey, go do it. Go do it in this way, but go do it. And so it's been, it's been countless. I suppose that's probably why about 40% of the people that come back are repeat offenders that have been to other events of mine. So I'm very, very blessed with that. A wonderful band of misfits, to say the least. So, oh, absolutely. A room of failures. <laughs> yeah, we find 10 different ways to receive the answer no so we can get that one that can multiply our growth by 10 times to get yep. yes out of it. So I was working with one of my coaches the other day, and we were talking about all the different ways that it takes to create success. You've got mentorship, willingness to fail, which we just talked about, experimentation, partnerships. And we kind of came to a stop when I brought up to him willingness to succeed. I think with the sensitivity with social media today, I feel that we actually are afraid of success. What does it take to be willing to get over that hump when your main fear is actually being successful? Well, it's daft. Most of us have been poor. Most of us have had to like scrape for cash. Most of us have had to hustle for a deal. And we're okay about doing that. You know, it was the world that we were brought up in. But when you suddenly start having enough money that you haven't got to worry about your mortgage for this month or the next 10, you suddenly start feeling guilty. You know, you shouldn't be feeling guilty of what you've got and where you are and how you achieved it. You should be feeling guilty that you're not sharing those tidbits and advice with other people. And that's where the masterminds come in. But you should never apologize for actually succeeding through the failings. And it's amazing how many people go, well, I was going to go for that, but why? I don't know. I don't. They're actually terrified that it may actually work. It's a funny, it's a funny scenario that people, I remember going into a room once and uh, I was only a young lad in my 20s and uh, I was in Asia. I went in there with a couple of people and in the room, I can't even remember who it was, but we walked in and the couple of guys that I was with who were way more successful than me way richer than me. I was only hanging around with them because I wanted to find out how to become successful. So again, it's that association. And they stopped in their tracks. And someone was in the room, some guy that was the head of something, big power player, big man. And they were like, oh my God, it's so-and-so. And I was like, oh, who is he? And they told me who he was. And they gave me like the, the biography of how big and powerful this guy was. And I thought to myself, well, hang on a minute. If he's in this room, who do we want to speak to more than that person? And so I went, really? And they were like, yeah. So I went, let's go chat to him. And I walked over and started having a conversation with him, okay? I'm deep in the conversation and we're having a laugh and we're chatting and we're discussing different things. And I turned around, two people that I had come in with hadn't taken one step towards him. Not one step. They had frozen. And when I went back to him, I went, boys, what are you doing there? The action's over there. You already said you wanted to be, but they were terrified. 
they had actually built up so much fear that they were going to get in front of him. And this person was going to suddenly turn into a monster and bite their heads off. It was hysterical how people actually get in the way of their own success. And again, allow that fear to either, you know, drive or defer them, you know, detract from what they're possible of. I hope my main thing in life, my main focus, my single goal is to stop you being frightened of yourself and get out of the way of yourself. If you want to go and do something, fucking go do it. You're going to fail. It's going to be shit. And those will be all the education and learning points that you need. I say to everyone as a coach, the first time you do anything, it's going to be shit. The first time you ever did a podcast, your first time Travis Chappell, Greg Reed, Joe Polish, any of these people did anything, Steve Jobs, Bill Gates, the first time they ever did anything, it was shit. And it was from that that they were able to refine it. But if you don't even start, how can you polish and refine? You absolutely can't. Yeah, it's, it's a failure to launch. It's a failure of failing and people looking at you. And it's also a failure of if I succeed, what then? Like, what value am I bringing then? And I think once you do find that success, it's the give back. It's what you said is like letting people into that world so they can learn from what you've done, those experiences of your failures and successes. As we're getting ready to bring this to an end here, I want to know, there's always new ideas brewing when there's times of prosperity, but I really think innovation and ingenuity comes out of times when we start to feel the squeeze what are you working on right now that's going to take place over the next 12 months that really excites you? I always say, if it doesn't arouse and excite, I'm not doing it. So every single day, I'm trying to find something that's going to arouse and excite and and also at some point terrify me. I never expected to have a best-selling book out there translated into multiple different languages. I'm actually working on a second book now. Can you believe it? I never thought it'd be a first one. So then working on a second one, I'm just like, are you kidding? So of course, the fear comes in. Well, what if it's not as good as the first? Cares. Go for it. Give it your all. Give it everything and focus on the person reading it. So I've got a new book coming out. You already know that we've got Nashville. We've decided that while the speakeasies, of which there's three a year in a different city, while they're fun, wouldn't it be cool to do one maybe every couple of years called a bucket list where we actually do something stupid, where we hold the whole two-day learning in the Vatican or in the Pentagon or in Buckingham Palace. Something that's just like... Are you kidding? Something that kind of stupid. So I'm planning now on my first international bucket list speakeasy. And we're planning, the concept would be that every two years where we get into places where you should not be allowed in. We're planning on that. So that's one of the things that excites me. But I suppose what excites me most is to just challenge, shake up, and rattle those people in and around my world. That's amazing. And I I hope to get to go on, you know, one, if not all of those journeys with you. All right, last thing. What is something that you've learned from your band of misfits or the people that you're learning from right now that could help fast track someone and get them on track, whether it's a piece of technology, it's a social platform. What is something that you've implemented and learned in the last three months that can help other people out there? Easy. And none of it that you just mentioned. No technology. In fact, nothing you have to spend a cent on, okay? It's the focus to solve. That's the thing. Everyone's out there going, hey, let me sell my program. Let me sell my course. Let me sell my mentorship. No, find a problem and then solve it. And there's your client bank. Solve this, solve that. When you solve something, you haven't got to worry about branding, packaging, or loyalty. Because if you can solve someone's problem, 
they will tell people about it. Oh, I had this problem with the mortgage. I had this problem setting up a podcast. I had this problem getting pension, a finance, a, a website built. And this person did it. You know, when you solve, it increases your ability to get more people in. So one of the first things that I've been working with people and been getting amplified through this period is focused on solving, not selling. And you can do that by getting around the right people, identifying what your message is, identifying what it is that you've learned through all of your mistakes and focusing solving on someone else's problem. Wow. that You couldn't have ended this on a better note of the value that you bring the value that your tribe and your community brings, it's all right there. Steve Sims, you can find him on Instagram at Steve D. Sims. You don't mind rubbing people the wrong way sometimes because it's just who you are. You give people what you are. Find him at stevedsims.com. Steve, again, I really appreciate your time and the value that you brought today. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Thank you for listening to The Mastermind Effect, your secret weapon for personal development. If you enjoyed the show, please take a moment to share with a friend and leave a five-star review on iTunes. And don't forget to subscribe through your favorite podcast host so you won't miss a single episode. You're one step closer to experiencing the Mastermind Effect.